0: The book of Ecclesiastes tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter number seven, Ecclesiastes chapter number seven, and I want to bring a very practical Bible study this evening, and I will uh, bounce around over the next uh, few Wednesday nights uh, until we get started on a new series, and um, I've mentioned the series on the church, and I was debating whether to uh, preach this series on Sunday or teach it on Wednesday night, but I've I've, I've, I've almost settled into it being a Wednesday night series. Uh, I have about 22 um, uh, messages, lessons prepared on the church. Um, and so uh, I just want to start it at the right time because we're going to be in that series for a while. Uh, but you can look, look forward to that. Ecclesiastes chapter number seven, beginning with verse number one. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool, this also is vanity." Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. I want to take these ten verses And I want to teach a study tonight that I've just given a simple title to, uh, of Lessons About Life. And uh, the Bible gives us our doctrine. It's important that we have our doctrine. And and by the way, let me remind you, it's better to get your doctrine from the Bible than YouTube. It's better to get your doctrine from uh, the Bible than any, don't get it from any other source. Uh, But we get our doctrine from it. We've got to be reminded that God gives us a life to live. He wants us to live it to the best of our ability to bring Him honor and glory. God wants us to be happy. Uh, and, that's, and, I, and I remind us this often, and I want to continue to do so. Christians ought to be happy. It doesn't mean our lives are perfect. It doesn't mean we don't have burdens and trials. But if there's anybody should, who should have joy, it ought to be the child of God. Amen. We sing these songs about heaven like we just heard. And we talk about, man, isn't it going to be wonderful in heaven? Well, be pretty, We ought to be able to smile now. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy being saved when I get to heaven, aren't you? Yeah. I'm going to enjoy being saved right now. God gives us his word that we can apply to our life so that we can live in a way that pleases him. And I want to I wanna bring out a few things in Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. And I'm going to get ahead of myself before I pray. Solomon writes, and Solomon made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of wisdom in Solomon, or in Ecclesiastes. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. It's very practical. But this chapter gives us a peek into it's more important that you live thinking about after you're gone than living for while you're still here. And for the child of God, we are always living. Yes, I want to bring honor and glory to God today. But I want to live in such a way that... It affects after I'm gone. Eternity, lay up treasures in heaven, but also affects what is left behind. And the life of a Christian can do that. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to open the Word of God. Thank you for the Spirit of God uh, who teaches, who instructs us. And Father, I pray that... Uh, We would listen to uh, His teaching tonight. I pray that You would uh, allow Your Word to uh, work in our hearts this evening. May we give attention uh, to what You say. And Father, I pray that all of us uh, would take consideration of these things. We would apply these principles to our life. That we may live in a way that brings honor and glory to You. But may we live in a way that helps the cause of Christ. That uh, even lives on beyond our life. Uh, We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, Solomon is the author of the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, the uh, wisest man, was also a very foolish man. Uh, the wisest man, the wealthiest man. And there's much to learn of, from the wisdom of Solomon. There's much we can learn from the mistakes of Solomon as well. Now, you've heard the old the, the saying that you've probably heard from the time you were a child. You know, you need to learn from your own mistakes. And we do learn from our own mistakes, I like to learn from the mistakes of others more than I like to learn from the mistakes of mine. And God recorded for us uh, some, the the, the positive things, the negative things. And Solomon gives a lot of practical wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. I would encourage you, uh, of course, to read through the whole Bible, but don't don't underestimate the importance of the book of Ecclesiastes can play in your life on a day-to-day basis. There's a lot of practical wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. We get to chapter number 7. And as I've already alluded to the Bible study tonight, Solomon is going to give some insight into living in a way that affects after the Christian is gone. And if we're going to live in a way that affects the cause of Christ, I, I hope you want to affect the cause of Christ. I want to affect the cause of Christ. Uh, long as I, I, I am, I am, I am wanting to leave something behind while I'm laying something ahead. That's just something that's always on my mind. I want to leave something behind while I'm laying ahead. And I do want to lay up treasures in heaven. I want to meet people in heaven because uh, of of God using me in in, in my efforts. But I want to leave something behind as well. We need to think in that regard. So I've got six statements I want to make, six things I want to bring out. Uh, Some lessons about life. Um, Some things that They are just the facts of life. They are just uh, things that as we live, uh, we ought to consider. Now, look, first of all, at at verse number one. A good name is better than precious ointment. A good name is better than precious ointment. The Bible talks much. The book of Proverbs speaks of a good name. And I want to say number one, uh, uh, first lesson about life that we learn from Solomon in chapter number seven is prioritize your name. Prioritize your name. Now, there's a lot of bad teaching in general, but there's a lot of wrong teaching on what it means when the Bible talks about having a good name. So I'm going to tell you very quickly and practically tonight what it is not talking about when he talks about having a good name. A good name is not reputation. It is not reputation. I'll prove it. When, does Paul, the Apostle Paul, have a good name? I think he's got a good name. But when he lived, he didn't have a good reputation. He was hated by men. Oh, he was beloved. Then how come he wrote half the Bible while he was in jail? Put there by religious people. Uh, It is not your reputation. You can have a good reputation and poor character. Um, It's not your reputation. And by the way, we need to be reminded of this in the day of social media. Um, The person who gets the most likes on Instagram probably doesn't always have the best Christian character. Um, It's not reputation. A second thing that it's not, I want to say about a uh, a good name and prioritizing your good name, is others do not determine your good name. Um, Oh, celebrity Christians, they're not... The widow who gave two mites, the the widow who took care of the prophet, they're going to be at the front of the line. Um, There's a lot of celebrity Christians that get celebrity status, but it's the faithful child of God who shows up at their post of service each and every week and does the things behind the scenes and spends time in prayer, um, well, that's that's where it's at. Others do not determine your good name. I, there's a lot of compromise among Bible believers because of, of the world trying to have a, a good reputation, and, and I'm not saying you go out and be foolish, but... A lost world does not determine your reputation, does not determine your good name. That leads me to the last point I want to make and the one, when it comes to your name. Your name is what God knows about you. Your name, when the Bible speaks of a good name, it's from heaven's perspective. A good name. Now, Christians ought to be honest. Christians ought to be all the things the Bible tells them to be. And, you know, back in the day... You know, the day of your grandparents, if you were dealing with a Christian, you could just shake hands and do business and go. Now, if somebody says, you ought to do business with me, I'm a Christian, I'm like, "Ah, I need to watch them. If you leave with, I'm a Christian, just brother, just like you, uh, don't trust me on this one. No, I ain't doing that. But it's it's a shame. But I want to remind us that it's what God knows about you. Solomon was famous, wasn't he? Solomon had a name. But what is important is what does heaven consider of your name? What does God know about you and your name? He recognizes your faithfulness. You're here on a Wednesday night. He recognizes uh, your obedience to his book. He recognizes what you spend. We're going to talk about the lifetime, what you do for a lifetime in just a moment. He recognizes the impact that you've had on the cause of Christ. Uh, Sometimes we put a wrong measurement and we don't put it on what God puts it on. Because we, this is the way we are as people, we like to see the effect. We like to see the return right away. We like to know that, 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 that there's a reason why we did this, and here's the reason why right away. A lot of things that we're, I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven, that God put a high premium on that we didn't, that God took notice of and we didn't. So prioritize your name. A good name is better than precious ointment. Number two, look at verse number one again. In the day of death, than the day of one's birth. That's the second thing I want to point out. According to what Solomon's writing, the day you die is better than the day you were born. I know some of you are thinking, I know I've been cursing the day I was born. I wish I'd never been born. Well, don't worry, you're going to die. What is Solomon talking about. Um, and I think it has to be in context of that we are living to have a good name with God. If we have had that as a focus, the day of death, then the day of one's birth. None of us decided to be born. God chose a life for us. He gave us the gift of life. Why? Because he has a life planned for you. And I remind you, You were not, I don't care who you are, I don't care what the circumstances of your life was and your birth, you were not born and God said, oh no, I didn't see that coming. God knew. Why? Because God had a plan for each and every person that's ever been born, no matter what the circumstances. So when God gives us life, I believe the context of this whole passage here, and certainly it's pointed out here, is what we do with that life. And when it comes to that point of death, if we have lived our life to please God, it's just going to get better as we pass from this life to the next. The things that we have laid up on the other side, we're going to get to see. You know, the prayers that you've prayed that made a difference, you wonder if they made you're going to see what, what, what happened. There's tracks that you passed out and the faithfulness as you taught your Sunday school class or you worked in that ministry. And you know, I wonder if whatever happened to so-and-so, there's going to be a lot of so-and-sos in heaven that we didn't even know were going to be there because of the efforts and labors of just fa- being faithful to the things of God. We use our life to please God. Oh, we, we, we don't like to think of death. We don't like to think of it, but God, if God gives us a gift, we've got to be working hard till the day we die. We've got to be using it. And I know as you get older, you have less and less strength. And I'm reminded of, you know, even recently some of you have it reminded me how horrible it is getting old. You know, and, and I'm just going to, you know, when I hit a certain age, I'm going to go jump off a bridge because y'all maybe so, so I have nothing to look forward to. I used to side note, it's like, I can't wait to retire. I can't wait to retire. I can't wait to, that's what people say. But talking to some of you that have retired, apparently all you do is go to the doctor. That's not a very exciting retirement to me. And so, but anyway, I'm getting off track. Our day of death better than the day of birth. We have a life to use for the Lord. We have a period of time. And Solomon didn't use all of his time for the Lord. He wasted some time with a day of death better than a day of birth. We have an opportunity. Uh, We should surrender our lives, surrender our time to uh, determine to use it. Our our children, I would encourage the teenagers, I encourage the children who, the young adults who've grown up in church, God's given you a gift that he hasn't given everybody. He's given you an opportunity to use your whole life. Use your whole, you don't have to, well, I've got time. You don't know how much time you have. I wonder if somebody like Solomon gets to the end of his life which is he could go back to a younger man and redo some things because that time goes quickly. Number three, a lesson of life. Look at me, verse number two and three. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Verse three, sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Third lesson I want to mention about life out of chapter 7 is this. Sorrow is a better teacher than celebration. Sorrow is a better teacher than celebration. If we started over here with Miss Stephanie went all the way around the room and ended over here and we asked everybody in here, do you like to celebrate or cry better? If you're honest and you're not a psycho, you would say, Celebrate. Do you like going to a birthday party or a big celebration or a funeral? You like, I almost said a wedding or a funeral, but in some cases that's like two funerals. But anyway, uh, do you, 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 we, we prefer, hey, we're going to go to a feast. We're going to go to a celebration. Uh, we're going to go and, 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 and enjoy the moment. We enjoy that. There's not, Solomon's not saying there's anything wrong with that, but what Solomon is saying in the comparison is better to go to the house of mourning. You think of your. I can certainly testify to this. You take. You can think, look back on your life tonight, and the trials in the morning taught you greater lessons than the celebration did. And here's here, here's a lot of good teaching for all of us, but especially the younger crowd. Uh, th- th- this this morning, if you, or this evening, if you are going to serve the Lord, there's going to be difficulties simply because you decide to serve God. That pleases God when we say, "I'm going to serve Him with my life." When these young people, these children, grow up in our homes and they say, "I'm going to serve God with our life," that pleases God. That's enough reason right there to do it. It doesn't please Satan. Let me tell you who else it doesn't make happy: rebels. Does it make them happy? What I'm saying is you're going to have trials. God purges his children. God teaches his children lessons. I love, don't you love those times in your life when God's just, he's just blessing and everything just seems to be, boy, it's one revival meeting to another and this and that and all these wonderful things and look at all these. But then there's periods that God tests and tries. Ecclesiastes is a good reminder that reminds us that life does that. What is God trying to teach me you 're just alive. Some things happen for all of us, but there are things that we learn so i 'd say all this you can 't avoid it you shouldn 't try to avoid it when you go into it say what well, god i 'm in this i, I don't i don 't know why I made this conscious decision and I can think back to when our daughter Amanda was, was in, in and out of the hospital and all that. I made the conscious decision, God, I don't want to be here. But since I'm here, I want to learn. And I have to be here. I want to learn everything that I can learn from this. Because it's a teacher. I don't like those lessons. You think back to school. Can y'all remember school? You remember those one-room schoolhouses that y'all were in? Remember that? Remember your last day of school in sixth grade? Y'all remember... Y'all, y'all remember back, back then? Tony mm-hmm. Warren went to school with Laura Ingalls. Did y'all know that? <laughs> I, can, I can think of this. I could take a test. And then a week later, I wouldn't remember any of the right answers. Because I wasn't studying to know what I was studying to pass the test so I don't ever have to take this again. Can I get a witness out there? I can remember some of my wrong answers. Because the red X. Why is it that these teachers who are so sweet and dainty, when they write normal, it's just this. But the X is you can just see the anger and you can just see the, the frustration. And the, that X doesn't say my answer was wrong. That, that, answer, that, that X says I'm a disappointment and a failure and all that. I mean, that's, that's, you can just sense it. Um, I'm finally letting that out, so. (laughs) Well, you have to, well, what's the right answer? Well, if I knew the right answer, I would have put the right answer down. So what do I have to do? I have to go back and learn what I should have learned so that I can know the right answer. Life is that way. The, the lessons we remember the mo- or make the biggest difference in our life are those times of mourning, those times of hardship. I like to celebrate as much as anybody else. But you, just be honest, we don't learn what we should learn if it was one party to the next party, to the next celebration, to the next celebration. We enjoy that, and when we have those times, Enjoy them. But all Solomon says that it's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. We can get, if it's just the house of feasting, we get soft, we get apathetic. We get distracted from what's important. But it's those life, you look at verse 3 again, sorrow is better than laughter. Now, if, if you don't look at it in this context, you'd think, that, well, the Bible's wrong. Well, if the Bible says it, and it goes against even our even logic, if the Bible is right and our logic is wrong we, wrong, we know that. For by the sadness of the countenance, what does the Bible say? The heart is made better. Do you want a better heart? I hope you do. When our heart is more tender to the things of God, God can do more with us. When God has our heart, when our heart, let's think, you know, Let's be honest. We know we ought to pray. And I believe we're a praying people. But when there's sorrow, we pray in a different way. Our hearts are more tender when there's a lesson that God is trying to teach. us. We can learn and benefit from a celebration and the blessings. But if we're honest, and I think we are. I've seen the heads nodding. As I've been on this point, we learn the greatest lessons. We know that sorrow is a better teacher than celebration. We look at number four. Look at verse number five again. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Practical life lesson. Correction is better than praise. Correction is better than praise. Can we tell you where the worst kids, the home the worst kids live in? the worst behave, the spoiled. Well, I don't really correct them. I just praise them and tell them how good they are. they got to be corrected. And by the way, those that, you, I'll just go ahead and go down this, this list. You know where the, better, the best Christians are? When they're, they let the Bible correct them. When every message isn't, go live your best life now. Our pastor's never negative. Oh, I don't, we, we don't want that negative preaching. And you get in your car and you listen to talk radio. I mean, come on. You're a Jaguar fan. Come on. Then neg- negative. Correction is better than praise. Now, again, Solomon is not saying praise does not have its place. Now, some of you say, I, I got this down, Pastor. I've never paid my kid a compliment. All I do is tell them how sorry they are. That's not what he's saying either. We need to address that as well, but I need to qualify that. Not saying that praise does not have its place. And part of his discerning as a parent. If you're a parent, your kids are win, personality of the kid, all of that. But what we're being reminded of, that it's important for us to be right, then feel good about ourselves. We live in a society when we have politicians who put in legislation that's more important for people to feel good about themselves than it being right. We live in a society in our education system where we don't want to, we don't want to, we have, we have sports where they, where they don't even keep score because we don't want somebody to feel like they lost. Well, score more points than the other team and you won't feel like you lost. It's it's, it's crazy. But then we get to what's really important. We get to spiritual matters. We get to the church house. We get to the local church. And we'll get mad at the Word of God. We'll get mad at a pastor who preaches the Word of God and it corrects us. Can you believe that pastor told me I was going to ruin my life if I left the things of God? Who does he think he is? Again, I use my doctor illustration. The doctor, can you believe that doctor told me that if I don't stop doing this and this, I'm gonna die? Who in the world does he think he is? Yeah, test, test him on that. Go ahead. Correction. If you, and there's a generation of rebels who grew up, and I only mention these things because, because, with technology today, they're right at our, they come to us. They grow up in homes with, and I say this for the benefit of the parents who are still here in, when your kids are grown. They grow up in our homes and they rebel against God. And they have parents that corrected them. And I have PTSD because my mom wouldn't let me go out on Friday night with, with the rest of the crowd. No, you're a rebel. You're a rebel. But let me remind you, I say that for the benefit of the kids who are sitting there. If you've got a mom or dad that tells you no, you ought to be thankful for that. You're not now, but you will be if you pursue the things of God. Correction is better than praise. Praise has its place. Praise is a good thing. We all like to get a pat on the back, don't we? Hey, you're doing, you're doing a good job. That's, I would rather operate that way. I would rather, it's, 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 you got to do both. It can't be all the time praise, 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 but it can't be all the time correction, correction, correction. I see Doug sitting back there and it made me think of this illustration. I coached Doug in basketball and I coached his younger brother Donnie. I could push Doug's buttons in a certain way that I could not push Donnie's. And completely, they're both competitive, but some take it to another unhealthy level. You can figure out which, which ones that are. There's praise and there was... A prodding there was a it's even more so when it comes to relationships in life it's even more so when it comes to the things of God you know what some people don't read the word of God because it corrects them right. I, we should be bothered if we could read it and it not correct us why isn't the spirit of God speaking to me why isn't um, when's the last time that you I'm not going to even ask you when's the last time you you come to the altar. I'm going to ask you when's the last time you felt like you should come to the altar. It's the correction. Number five. Look at verse number eight. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Some of you are thinking, like this message. I just put it out there for you. And the patient in spirit, right back at you, is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. We, look what it says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Finish is more important than the start. Finish. We don't take time to know, to be reminded of the grace of God as much as we should. God's long-suffering with us. Why? His grace. He, he we all fail him. Since the day you got saved, whether it's been a week within the last year, as some of you have been saved in the last year, or whether it's been fifty years, you've stumbled in your Christian walk. God didn't pick you up and take you and cast you aside. Aren't you glad that God doesn't treat The Christian that stumbles and falls like other Christians treat the Christian that stumbles and falls? So, Pastor, what is the point? The point is, no matter who you are, where you are in your Christian walk, whether you've stumbled need to get up, better is the end. Finish is more important. The point I'm making, you can still finish. The finish is more important than the start. Now... Start is important. We got to start right. We, and I remind you, and I think of the Apostle Paul as he writes about that race and finishing his course and finishing the race. It's never described as a sprint, it's never described as the first one that finishes is the only one that gets an award. An, an award. It's just finish your race. It's a good time to remind all of us my race is not your race. Don't try and run my race. Your race is not my race. I'm not to try and run your race. If you finish your race, you'll get the same recognition by our Savior as anybody else who finishes their race, whether you're a pastor or whether you're you're an usher in the church. If that's what God has chosen for you, number one, that's just as as important for you to serve God that way as the pastor does. And if you finish serving God, let me tell you what you get when you get ushered into heaven. First of all, that thought itself. It's something to, to behold. But to hear, well done, that crown of righteousness, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, I wasn't a pastor. I didn't say, you finish your course. The Bible talks and talks and talks and talks about finishing. Well, I, I spent half of, not half, I don't know how much. I, I spent a lot of my time as a pastor, a lot of my responsibility of, of, of encouragement and, and cheering. And, and you can do it. And you stumbled, okay, get back up. Well, I've stumbled you know, this many times. Well, a, a just man falls seven times and rises up again. Get back up one more time and, and keep going. And, and, and well, I don't feel like, well, don't do that and do this, serve in this capacity over here. But finish, because better is the end thereof than the beginning. Finish is more important than the start. Start right. Our kids, you teenagers and the children, you've got a great opportunity to start young. And with the context of this, living in a way that you're laying up treasures, but you're leaving an impact behind. You've got a whole life to make that impact. You've got a head start. I, I know for a fact that God has allowed me to do things in my life at a younger age is only simply because He allowed me to be born into a Christian home and be taught right from a young age. I got a head start. But I want to finish. It's important. Some of you can't do what you used to do because age has caught up with you, or health has caught up with you, or circumstances have changed in your life. Finish. You're here tonight on a Wednesday night. That's a pretty good thing. Let's all determine that we're to finish because it's important. Finish is more important than the start. Finish your race. Well, Pastor, I wasted most of my life. Well, don't waste the rest of it. Pastor, I have a period of my life where I made some mistakes and I'm not proud of them. Okay, confess them to God and finish, and finish. We know this is good for us to be reminded. The only thing that can take us out of usefulness for God is if we quit. Yes, you can waste opportunity, and we'll give an account of that. You can squander opportunity. We will give an account of that. But no matter what it is, we can still finish. Well, I won't be first. You can finish. You've you've heard of or at least seen those inspirational video you know videos where they they they, there's this race whether it's the Olympics or something else and you know somebody you know they they take off and they 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 sprain their ankle or they they you know whatever and they they get cramps and they're like I can't and they get and they drag themselves over the finish line. And they get a bigger applause than the person who won first place. Now, I've always thought if I was that person in first place, they'd never walk again. But, I mean, that's a whole nother. Why? Because there's something about people cheer for those who you're not going to win. There's something to be said about the person that finishes. How much important it is for us as a, well, as a parent, i made some mistakes. Finish. As a spouse, I Finish. As a Christian, I haven't done everything. Finish, because finish is more important than the start. If people remember how you finish, they don't ever remember how you start. So finish, number six, and I am done. Verse 10. This one is so good. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? Without us it, not inquire wisely concerning this. Listen very carefully to statement number six, principle number six. Looking back at past blessings is not as wise as looking ahead to opportunity. Looking back at past blessings is not as wise as looking ahead to opportunity. What what is this verse saying? What is Solomon saying? He's saying, "Don't be one of those people like, well, it's not as good as it used to be, and do nothing to improve the situation that is present." I, I, I'm I'm just I'm not on board with this. In case there's any doubt, and I'm going to tell you what I'm not on board with with. And I don't bore with me. Well, America is just not what it used to be. Nobody may dispute that. But then we do nothing to improve it. Well, Pastor, you're never going to get it back. Well, can we improve it a little bit? Well, it's gone too far. God's going to judge. God's not going to judge. God is judging us and has been judging us, and he's going to continue to judge us, but can we do something in the day we live in instead of just looking back and say, well, it was so much better way back in the good old days and squander the opportunity we have right now to make any difference at all? I can't, I'm sorry. How do you think that makes me feel? Too too bad for you, sucker. You weren't born in the good old days. You're stuck with this. Why don't we, or, or I, I had my, well, maybe you can't do it you you, but quit, let's not look back even as, as Christians and say, well, wouldn't it be great to go back to at this decade and this decade and America was doing this and this and you know, had these revivals? I would have loved to have seen that. But God didn't put me in that time. God put me in this time, and I want to do everything I can do so that we can see revival today, or maybe something I do, something this church does lays a foundation for another generation to come. And maybe they see it because of something we do. But too many times as Christians and as churches, we're sitting around, well, it's not what it used to be. Well, it's not the way it was. I mean, you, you, you know my feelings about Dr. Hiles and being a mentor, I mean, in great influence on my life. But his God is still here. His God is still able. Well, all these old guys, these men, the Lee Robertsons, the Jack Hiles, the the Tom Ones, and all, they're just not here anymore. Okay. If they were, they'd be really old. Well, it's just not like it was when I was young. Okay. I'm not saying that we can't lament. I'm not saying that we can't look back and enjoy the blessings that we've experienced. I'm just saying, as the scripture says, He said it's not wise to just say, "What is the cause? What's the point?" No, God put me here, and some of you—it's good for you to hear. We're members of your family, there too. Do Fargo? Well, what's the point? Well, God still expects you to pray. God still expects you. To be where you're supposed to be, because there might be somebody else that watches you, somebody else that you impact. Well, we I mean good night, look at the things that are going on in Jacksonville, Florida. It gets getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know, what are what are we gonna do? I don't know, but why don't we see? Well, it's just not in the way. How I are mean, And when we when I know when we first moved, when I was a kid, we first moved to Jacksonville, there was a there were churches everywhere that were thriving and 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 soul winning and 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 you ran into them all the time. Now you're out and they're like, y'all still do that? The answer is yes. Well, back in the day when there's a... Okay, well, that just puts more responsibility on all of us. Um, looking back at past blessings is not as wise as looking ahead to opportunities. Well, I... I You look at the day we have in our country. It is a troubling day. And you can, as I've heard over the last two years from all different groups of people, this is the, the most pivotal point in our history. And That's an instant reaction. You know, with everything that's going on and all the shutdowns and the election and this and that and the evil and wickedness is just out front. And I say to that, maybe... There's been a lot of pivotal days in our country before. and Quite frankly, if you knew America's history, it's as much a miracle as we're still here, as it was 100 years ago. There's no logical explanation that we are still the America that we are, other than God. And I know we're not living, and some of you, and I thank God for the faithfulness of the older generations in this church. But I want to challenge you tonight as we close. I know we don't live in the days where you walked in the snow, uphill, both ways to school. I know we don't. I know we don't live in the ways, I talk often, and my wife and I sometimes talk about this, and our kids and the way they're growing up. I mean, when, I remember in summertime, it was, when, when the sun was up, we were out, and we didn't come home until it was dark. We played football in the street. And now you see the kids today, you see them looking like this, you're like, what's wrong with you? It's like, oh man, I was playing Madden and my player got blindsided and I feel that. No, it's, it's a different day we live in today. Some of you are going to think I'm really, you, you, I'm not even going to put a description. You're just, Man, when we were young, if we found a stick that already had a point on it that we didn't have to put, Oh, it's going to be a good day. (laughs) We could be a lot of things with that. We could cause a lot of trouble with that. Well, it's just not, I know it's not, it's a different America. But it's not wise to just look back and say, well, it's not the good old days anymore. I'm sorry, I, I think we're living in the good old days. Because these are my days that God's put me in. They are good old days. Um, I thank God for what God's done for our church. But I would say we've seen different miracles, but more miracles in the last five years than perhaps any other five-year period in our church. They just look different. Well, it's not the way it used to No, it's never going to be. I understand. We all have those things that we get attached to through the years, and I know that, but these are the days God has us in. and I think we can make a great difference in the day we live in. Looking back at past blessings is not as wise as looking ahead to opportunities. Well, those days were better. Solomon said, that's just not wise. This is just practical life living as a Christian. Let's all decide to finish. Christian, decide have a more, more of an interest in what God thinks about you, you than this world thinks about you. Hey, let's, let's use the life from the day of our birth to the day of our death, that time. Let's use that to make a difference. If you're going through a hard time right now and Sometimes we say that as preachers and we say that as Christians. We're going through a hard time like it's a 24-hour period. Sometimes these hard times come and go. Sometimes these seasons of hard times last for a long, long time. What is it that God's trying to teach or will teach during that time? Pastor, can we just have it? And And that just perfectly illustrates one of the issues, one of the problems we have in our country. The times have been too good. Because you learn lessons through tough times that you don't learn through prosperity. You know, the greatest generation, you ever heard that term? How many of you are in the millennial generation? That, wasn't, that moniker wasn't tagged to you, just, just so you know. What I'm saying is, when you have to go through tough times as a nation, as a church, as a people as an individual Christian, God teaches you things. If you're in a tough time tonight let God teach you. Don't get bitter, don't get angry. Just some practical applications of life. Let's apply them to our life. So that See now, now you young people and even you even even younger adults when when your parents or your grandparents start talking about the good old days, you got bible to say, I don't want to hear this story again about how how, how difficult it was. And my kids right now are saying, will you do that with us? Anyway. Father, help us to